0: Welcome to the KBB From the Tap podcast. I'm managing editor Leslie Claggett, and this week I'm happy to talk with Kevin Kaminsky and Alexis Pugh of Kaminsky & Pugh, a Philadelphia-based architecture and interior design firm that excels at the art of updating historic buildings and spaces. Their work is characterized by a strong commitment to respecting the historical context of the structures they transform. Their designs are not just about individual spaces. They're about establishing a narrative that ensures every element contributes to the overall aesthetic. Welcome Kevin and Alexis. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah. Let's start by talking about what qualities about historic residences appeal to you. And then would you be able to put that into the context of the differences in working on older buildings versus newer ones?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, to us, it's it's about stewardship at the end of the day. Philadelphia has a kind of a rich existing building stock. Um, and a, that's where a lot of the bulk of our work takes place. So what we really try to do is preserve that at the end of the day. Um, a lot of new construction, there's a lot of development, there's a lot of um, kind of uh, Development work that's happening in Philadelphia that it is not necessarily as well considered as one might like. So we really kind of take it. Uh, believe there's a strong responsibility to preserve um, what's there. Philadelphia is a a, a, a a city with a lot of history, and we want to try to preserve that as best we can.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We we find that on many projects in historic homes. Um, some of the original details really do serve as sort of the inspiration for some of our design concepts, and we tend to take those and base the design off of those features that we want to preserve and highlight, Um, and it really adds a lot of character to the project.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, there's an age and a patina that comes with with buildings of a certain age, and that's very difficult to replicate. Um, It's hard to hard to, hard to translate into new construction. So that's one of the things we really enjoy as as kind of having a, as a base layer to work from.
0: Well, are you ever restricted? Uh, Funny question. You're always restricted by code about (laughs) what you can and cannot do in one of these projects. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Absolutely. Um, So obviously we're governed by a number of codes from building codes to zoning codes to uh, historical review boards, depending on, again, in Philadelphia, depending on what neighborhood you're working in, certain um, certain homes, certain neighborhoods fall under um, historical review boards, which obviously govern everything from kind of window sizing to penetrations coming through the facade um, Obviously, building codes govern what we can and can't do, and those are more universal, but those historic um, protections are really there for good reason. They obviously keep a a historic neighborhood kind of aesthetically intact, um, and that's one of the things that is obviously very important when working on a a renovation to a historic home to make sure that you're considerate, that you understand the the kind of... uh, Design language of the of, of the home, and obviously um, preserve and be thoughtful during the renovation.
0: Are there uh, mechanical, electric, plumbing, or structural issues that you commonly encounter when working on a historic residence?
1: Absolutely, every time. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah.
2: surprising when there's not.
1: <laughs> yes, I think would be the better way to put it. Yes, I mean, generally speaking, the homes, uh, a historic home, is can be 100, 200 years old, depending on the age and 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 and, and um, kind of uh, kind of character of the home. And we are we've been work we've had the uh, kind of opportunity to work with homes from 1750 onward. Um, in 1750, there was no electricity. Um, there was no uh, kind of forced air. So it's fun to see all of those um, kind of building systems develop over the years. And needless to say, they also don't last the life of a home. So when homes are renovated over the years and over the life of a home, a lot goes wrong. Um, And for instance, Plumbing. Plumbing's a big one. Um, Plumbing will uh, often fail. Um, In Philadelphia, in particular, there's a lot of cast iron. Cast iron is a very durable product, but it only lasts 75 to 100 years, and sometimes that is um, shorter than the life of the home. It often can dry up. So, depending on the age of the home and the type of renovation we're working on, for instance, if it's a whole home renovation, We just expect that everything's going to be replaced. All the building systems are going to be replaced. For example, if we're going down to the studs, we just make that assumption that everything's going to have to come out just given the age of the home. If you're doing an involved renovation, it's best to make all those updates at that time. If you are doing a uh, more targeted renovation, let's just say just a kitchen or a bathroom update, um, you're generally connecting to existing uh, utilities. Um, So for instance, we might send a camera down uh cast iron pipe to see if it is cracked to see if there is any any damage because again when you're taking the time to do the work you want to make sure that is it's done correctly um another thing that we can that we often run into in, um, in Philadelphia, for, for example, for putting an addition on. You have to understand the, the water flow um, uh, pressure at the site. So for example, if you're building up or you're adding more bathrooms, you want to make sure that the incoming water supply is adequate to um, supply all the plumbing fixtures. Um, we always run into structural issues. Again, homes um, of a certain age, um, there's compromised masonry, cracked joists, um, joists that have been turned into Swiss cheese by over the years by people running pipes and ductwork and all different things through them. Um, on top of all of that, you have sagging stairs and floorboards that have worn. Um, so it's always a surprise. There's always. Um,
2: you never know what you're going to find until you open the walls up yes
1: at the end of the day so it's kind of like an archaeological dig in a little uh, in in a way because you're kind of going back and peeling all the layers and and seeing what the um what the existing conditions are
0: do you look to restore or recreate the original space or do you work to interpret it in a contemporary design language
1: it's a real balance. Uh, I mean, we are not trained preservationists, we're not historicists, but we have a strong respect for the past. We also believe that design should be of its place and of its time, um, but also be respectful of the past and also look ahead toward the future. Um, So, for example, homes today are uh, generally spaces are larger. Um, Homes, 50, 70, 100 years ago, spaces were much more contained um, and much more specific in use. People like more open floor plans. And it's, again, what we try to do is to try to find a happy meeting programmatically. Aesthetically, we also try to find that balance in terms of not having something that's completely jarring to the the design language of the home that kind of blends seamlessly.
2: yeah basically, I'm our goal is to create spaces that work for contemporary living but also don't feel out of place when you walk into the home. Um, context is really important to the work that we do. We never want to design a home where you walk into the home expecting one thing and then you're completely thrown off by a totally different design language. Um, so we try to be um, you know, at, at the very least respectful of the the historic stylings of the home, um, not necessarily, recreating, um, but, you know, picking pieces um, to maybe, you know, restore or highlight um, and blending those in a more contemporary way with kind of the homeowners needs and um, day to day life.
0: Well, that kind of segues into my next question, which is, uh, could you tell us a little bit how you select colors and materials and finishes that are appropriate to an older home? And if you'd like to share any sources, I'm sure are audience would like to hear that
2: sure so so colors and materials um with our projects are you know it's very important to the homeowners because it sets the tone for you know the feel and look and durability of the whole home so um with many of those it is um you know based off of you know what appeals to the client, the mood that they want to set, but also, again, in terms of context, making sure that we're selecting things that are historically appropriate to the home, nothing that is going to feel completely out of left field, um, things that are understated, things that are timeless, um, and then again, bringing in sort of the more contemporary touches through, um, you know, not necessarily the hard surfaces um, and architectural details, so bringing in some of those more kind of contemporary lifestyle items through furniture and, and accessories and things like that, but keeping, you know, historic details and finishes um, true to the home and, and sort of balancing that with with the more decorative items. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, like, for example, take paint. paint. I mean, historic homes generally had more earthy, neutral palettes because paints were more natural and you didn't have as many kind of wild, bright colors. So, Using that as kind of a baseline, we'll always start with kind of a fairly neutral palette and build from there. And again, to Alexis's previous point, we'll layer in a lot more pop or color through the furnishings or through uh, furniture to give, again, that neutral backdrop for the home. And then again, dress it up more on the furnishing side of things and and flooring. Generally speaking, most of the homes, uh, at least in our area, were largely wood floors um, with some stone floors here and there, some tile, ceramic tile and bathrooms and places like that. So, again, we kind of use that narrative and that history to inform the decisions that we make when selecting materials for the uh, for the home um, from kind of finished selections. Um, Again, tile and stone, um, kitchens, back 100 years ago weren't the showpieces that they are today, they're much more um, kind of more utilitarian. So again, depending on how to that that comes into that conversation of how do you blend modern living with more traditional elements from the past. And again, trying to not have something that is completely out of left field, but still um, acknowledge that kitchens are now um, a very prominent uh, place in the home. Um
2: and I think going back to what something Kevin had said in terms of natural materials, that's another thing that is very important to us too. We find that sort of the more natural material it is, the more timeless it is. So um, you know, marbles, quartz, um, you know, stone flooring, soapstones, bluestone, kind of your basic fundamental classic materials mm-hmm. we find are are really sort of our our base palette when when working in older homes. Mm-hmm.
0: Any and go-to it's, it's, sources that you want to share? It's now's your chance to, <laughs> to make friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um let's see. Um Visual Comfort's a company we lean on for lighting quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They have a really nice range of fixtures that really kind of blend from uh kind of that in, that lead in that transitional world where it's it can kind of fit well in a home that um is an older home, but also kind of the feel of its moment. And they're kind of very well made, well made fixtures. Um so that's one of the lighting resources we like to use a fair bit. Um and then in terms of um plumbing fixtures, it really varies. Um it depends on the home. It depends on the um what the what the what the homeowner is looking for. Um but we definitely lean a lot on um Kohler and Waterworks and um, Newport Brass. So again, it depends on the the, the specific um, uh, kind of material um, and kind of look we're going for. But I would say those are some of the vendors we use a fair bit. Um, and...
2: in, in terms of paint, um, Sherwin Williams has a really great historic line of colors. So even if we're not specifying those specific historic colors, they're a really good framework to work from when when doing color selections. So that's always kind of a nice place to start.
0: And I. I know um, of Moravian tile. I, I think mm-hmm. that's down in your neck of the woods. They do some beautiful work.
1: Mm-hmm. They do, yes. Tile work is always another one. There's a lot of vendors that we do a fair bit of work with, um, and um, we use a lot of heath tile and fire clay tile. Um, there, they have a great line and kind of some really great glazes that that work well and have a nice softness to them that are really really work well and kind of integrating that. That again that that transition between old and new. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, um, let's drill down a little bit more into the specific uh, integration of modern kitchen appliances and bath fixtures into the historic interiors. Um, Some of those kitchen appliances, the the deliberately retro styled ones, aren't exactly what people are looking for. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. What do you do? How do you integrate these things into these spaces?
1: Well, a lot, uh, again, if if you're going back to kind of a historic home, kitchens were more utilitarian in nature. Um, One of the things that we try to do is blend um, appliances into the millwork. So panel ready appliances that blend in and you can't necessarily tell uh, that they're refrigerators or dishwashers that helps kind of create more of a uh, kind of a millwork or furniture based look um another thing that we do a fair bit of is um uh we're seeing a big push towards Butler's pantries a lot or kind of like almost like a secondary pantry space off of the kitchen where a lot of the appliances live so the kitchen becomes more of a focal point more of an entertaining space more of a uh
2: the gathering space, gathering
1: space and then a lot of the kind of the the life moment the, the kind of utilitarian pieces ha- have their home that may kind of uh clutter Tucked away out yes. of sight <laughs> yes out of sight um so your 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 toaster ovens your toasters your coffee pots um all of those uh kind of your stand mixers all of those appliances are either being concealed either between um like appliance garages or very specific millwork that's built to house them or in a secondary space to again allow the kitchen itself to feel more open and again more more uh, kind of a more of a welcoming place less clutter more um more of a of a unique space
0: that's a great point um butler's pantries and back kitchens sculleries Mm -hmm. if you will Yes. yes yes
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's, they're becoming very popular we have uh, a few projects we're working on right now that we're integrating um, kind of again a, a secondary space or a pantry whether that be hidden or um, more of a focal point sometimes they do become a focal point in their own way either with uh, kind of built in with glass um, and again just add another layer of interest into that kitchen design
0: um, what would you say is the biggest challenge in working on an older home
1: finding balance <laughs> is the is the hard part because again we don't want to lean in one direction or the other too much you don't want to be and create a stage set you don't want to be too literal too literal in terms of what you are what we are recreating you don't want it to feel like a museum you want it to feel of the moment and of the time that the people are living in and enjoying it but at the same time you don't want to completely throw out all of the detail all of the soul all of the character of the home so finding those moments to kind of bridge that gap so working with existing molding working with existing doors and hardware keeping existing stairs trying to Keep those pieces that have that kind of describe the soul of the home or the character of that home, and then really layer in the new um, the new program, the new space planning, the new elements of that home in a thoughtful way that that supports that kind of baseline. Um, and again, there's no easy um, recipe for that. <laughs> It just takes a little bit of intuition trial and error to 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 try to strike that balance um but when you do it it is it is it is magic it is just a wonderful space to be in because you kind of have that old and new and it's wonderful when clients walk into a space and say um we can't tell what is old or what is new um we are just actually at a party um from a a a past client who's become a friend and we were walking around with with some of the guests and they were saying we had no idea that was a, a, a new stair or that was an existing door or that was and those moments those little um surprises that's what really is special about design when you can really kind of that level of illusion um that's the real artistry mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I would say also just um, with historic homes and sort of modern living, making sure that you can find that right balance and, and, you know, with the sort of preservation and historic details of it, also creating spaces that are functional for daily life and, um, you know, work for, for the people living there every day um, while still being respectful of history. Um, and also with homeowners, you know, it's it's easy to kind of get sucked into of the moment trends. But Making sure that the client also understands, you know, the historic context of the home, and, and making sure that they're on board with, you know, um, what's going to create the, the best overall look for the home based on on the existing space.
1: And the time it takes to do that.
2: To do things well <laughs> takes time. <laughs>
1: that is, I think, one of the um, challenges. Also, working in an older home, there is a it's a time commitment. Um, you are going to run into surprises. You're going to run into hurdles. It, it, there's, it takes a little bit of extra care and love to, to kind of work on older homes. And it's a, uh, not for the faint of heart, but it is a, uh, a very rewarding process at the end of the day to preserve and, um, kind of develop a a nurture home to kind of become, um, ready for the next hundred years. it's a um, it's a lot but it's lovely. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. That's a beautiful way to put it really mm-hmm. that that touches me mm-hmm. This has been a great conversation. Thank you very much, Kevin Kaminsky and Alexis Pugh for joining us today on Kbbs from the tap. Thank you so much for having us. had
1: a great time thank you
0: thank you. Be sure to subscribe to KBB's YouTube channel and click the like button on our videos. You can also subscribe to KBB's From the Tap podcast on such apps as Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and Google Podcasts. And please feel free to leave a review.